This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. The brand evolves through the years and you evolve with your consumer community. So for us, it was a natural evolution to go through all those different steps that we had in the process because they felt like a necessary part to build the trust with our consumers. After five years of being out there, people will start asking more for you. After 10 years, they will start asking more for you and you will have the knowledge and the tools to do more as a brand. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. Today's episode, I am interviewing a fellow founder, fellow female founder, if we want to stick with the alliteration there. Uh, I am interviewing Lena, who is the co-founder of Chorus, which if you don't know what it is, you probably have never stepped foot into any skincare store because it is one of the most established skincare brands. I feel like it's one of those where if you see it, you know exactly what it is and you know that it's been around forever and maybe your mom has used it for a few years. They've been around since the 90s and they're one of those brands that's just like a cult classic. It's something that you know is going to be good. You know it's going to deliver. If you don't want to have to kind of try a new product and guess if it's good or not, you kind of stick to Chorus. And I am so excited to interview one of the founders, Lena. She is such a gem. She is full of wisdom and she's so kind. I absorbed so much of her knowledge when she was speaking and I just wanted to ask her so many questions. I wanted to ask her so many individual questions. I was like, okay, let me pick your brain about this, 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 and this. But we mainly talk about what it's like to have an established brand and how to build an established brand. If you have a skincare brand that not only is successful after you launch, but is successful 25 years after you launch, you know that you've made a really great product. And not only that, because there's a lot of great products out there, but you know that you've built an established and really great brand that your community resonates with. So I am very excited to interview Lena. She is so incredible. And I know that you guys are going to love this episode. If you guys like my, you know, episodes that I'm doing, like the interviews with a mix of solo episodes, please let me know. I want to know what you guys like and what you don't like with the podcast, because I'm just experimenting with a ton of different formats. Like I'm always looking for feedback and for, for ways to spice it up. So I really do appreciate you. And before we jump into the interview, I am going to shout out the reviewer of the week. So this reviewer 
comes from hi jesse i think is the username apple usernames are always so weird uh or so strange like i never know if they're like do people remember when they make these like i don't even know what mine is for all i know mine could be my aim username from when i was like nine so this one i think is hi jesse and she or they or he said been listening forever i learned so much from this podcast and the host is so real and open highly recommend it always so i just want to say thank you if your name is jesse i think that's what it is thank you so much for not only leaving it five stars but for saying fave pod for saying that you've been listening forever i just i appreciate it so much because you don't have to review a podcast but it does mean a lot to me when you do and we are almost at a thousand reviews. So if you guys are listening to this podcast and you find value in it, just go ahead and give it five stars on Apple Podcasts or you can go on Spotify and also rate it five stars if you guys have been enjoying these episodes. So without further ado, I'm not going to ramble on this intro because I have the solo episodes for that now. But without further ado, let's welcome Lena to the show. Hello, Lena. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Hi, Natalie. Thank you for inviting me. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, it's so nice to meet you. I am very excited about this because you have built such an iconic brand. And so I'm excited to dive in and hear about the story. Amazing. I'm here to tell you everything. So we always start the episodes with setting the record straight. So this is where I say a stereotype or an assumption, and then you let me know if it's true or false. Okay. So the first one is that there is an oversaturation in skincare products today. I think it's true. Yeah, I feel like it's true, but there's also so many more people, I think, invested in skincare products and like that like to try new things. So it somewhat balances out. But I definitely think that there's so many products to choose from nowadays. It can be really confusing as a consumer. Yeah, I think you're right on both statements. It's the, the market is evolving. People are evolving, so there is, it's growing. But I think there is a lot of uh, choices and a bit of confusion out there, mm-hmm. mostly when it comes to clean beauty and all of that. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that the products out there that are labeled clean are actually clean? Or do you think it's kind of a label that people stick on and just to attract consumers? Actually, there is no global definition of claims. So you cannot, you know, blame brands if, you know, they define it one way or the other. At the same time, there is a responsibility about what are the choices you make for your consumers. And honestly, I think it's also a very hard job at the same time because I'm thinking many times, we as Cores, we have an an in-house R&D team. We have an amazing pool of scientists. We have in-house regulator. We have all that scientific pool that knows what they're doing. And for other brands, it's not the case. So maybe they don't even know. And when there is no, you know, not clear rules, it can be confusing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think that's true. Kind of like when people say it's like a green product and environmentally friendly. I mean, that could mean a million different things. Like that could mean so many things. And clean, yeah, who is to say what's clean and and what's not? Exactly, yes. Yeah. And the next one is that less is more when it comes to your skincare routine. Less is more. No, I don't agree with that really because every age, every skin concern, every skin type has different needs. So if you have a sensitive skin, that is totally true. Less is more. Uh, You need to use simpler formulas that are, you know, without many ingredients. If you overload your skin, even with good ingredients, it will react. But if you are at a stage, you know, you have mature skin, you need anti-aging, all of that, then there is more products that will benefit you and you need a fuller routine. 
So I think it's very personal and depending on, you know, the stage that the consumer is. Yeah, I like that you say that it's not a blanket statement because I think a lot of times in skincare, people do make blanket statements where they'll say, everyone should only have three products that they use as simple as possible. That's what's best for everyone. Or there's other people who say, oh, you know, you need to have all of these acids and you need to have retinols. And, you know, they kind of use that across the board when skincare is very, very personal and you can't just recommend one thing for everyone. I agree 100%. Honestly, it's almost dangerous to make blanket statements here. Everybody has very different needs and they can be extremely different. And if you apply one set of products or thing to the other, it can really work totally diversely. Mm -hmm. And you need to be passionate as a founder. Oh, yes. There are so many obstacles to overcome, but you need to be passionate for sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to dive into that because I am so fascinated with how you've built this really sustainable brand. And I know that you started as a chemical engineer back in the 90s, I believe. Were there a lot of other women that entered that field when you studied it? Well, it was a fun time. We had so many boys around us. So, no, we were very few women doing engineering, chemical engineering, or any other type of engineering. It was more unknown or overwhelming. But at the end of the day, it's, it's an applied form of science. And women are very practical and very good in applied things. I would say sometimes even better than men because we have a more complex mind. We can think of different layers. So we are good in taking theory and applied and producing something with it. So, and I think now it's much easier for women to approach, at least in Europe where I come from, or at least in Greece, that, you know, knowledge and education is a big pillar of our society. More and more women are going into all those fields without any fear. And there shouldn't be any fear. Mm -hmm. Did you have fear going into it? when you had started or were you excited? No, I was very excited. No, I was excited because I thought in the beginning, again, I didn't really know what it meant, but I had a sense, this is what I want to do. And uh, it proved correct. So when uh, I I loved my school, I loved all the modules, I loved, I loved everything we learned there. And more than the things that we learned, the way of thinking. It suits the way I am very much, very analytical, approaching things, finding solutions to problems, analyzing what's going on and, and synthesizing for a better solution. So that's how my mind works. So I was very happy with, mm -hmm. <laughs> with what I discovered there. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. 
Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Ares tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream, it is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. I know that you were very analytical and a, and a problem solver, but was there ever any part of you that knew that you wanted to start your own business one day? Well, not really. I wouldn't say so. I just, it just happened that, uh, like we said earlier, now there is definitely saturation. There is so many products out there to choose. That was not the case back in the day. So what we saw was a real gap in the market. When I got out of the university and I, I love everything outdoors, I love nature, I live in Greece. It's so beautiful. You can do so many things, you know, in nature. And I wanted natural products, but at the same time, I was a scientist. So I wanted to be safe and sure. And I wanted a scientific approach. So not a simplistic natural product. That thing did not exist in the market. Hands yeah. down, it did not exist. So it was a challenge. It was something that I personally could not find. And I was sure there were, you know, there were many people out there looking for something like that. Or maybe they didn't know what they were looking for. They tried natural products that existed and they were disappointed because they were not delivering, you know, the experience, the luxury, the promise, anything. So I said, okay, 
I love nature and, and nature. I think, you know, for long-term health, it's so amazing if we can use good ingredients and natural ingredients. But I really want my products to work. I want my products to deliver. I want to enjoy them. I want all of that. Yeah, so that's well, how it started. And before you started, Chorus, when you were using these skincare products, did you feel like that was missing in your own products? Or did you just hear about that when other people were talking about what they were using? Like, did you always wish, man, if only there was a product that was natural that also delivered? Or did that just come about through your love of nature and through talking to other people? No, it actually, I felt the gap because I wanted to to use those products. And I was one of those consumers that tried to use natural products and I was disappointed at many levels. So I felt the need. But it was really talking with other people in our original pharmacy where you have the opportunity to have this face-to-face contact with consumers. There were many more like me that were wishing for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that you mentioned that you talked to people face-to-face and that had also helped, you know, validate this idea. Today, do you still do that with your customers? Like, do you still talk to people face to face? Obviously, I know you might not be the one doing it in your daily routine, but is that something that you guys still are always looking at as you innovate and create new products? <laughs> it's funny that you ask. So, I, I would think I will answer in two ways. Number one, nowadays, you can be in direct contact with your consumers, even if you're not face to face. Mm-hmm. Because of social media, because of digital, because of the digital world in general, it doesn't matter where you physically are. You can have a direct contact. So that's something that we try to do with our consumers. But on top of that, even now, when new people join our team, our company, and if they're located in Greece, we ask them to spend a few days in our apothecary, in the Korea's apothecary, because then you develop a different mentality. When people come with a need and they want advice and they trust what you say, that becomes part of your mentality and your responsibility. So I think for us, what shaped us was that original relationship with the consumer and the fact that they came in in an apothecary environment, in a pharmacy, trusting us to give them the best solution. And that's something that is different. So you can be a beauty brand and never experience something like that. Us, you know, founded in a very old apothecary, we had that. And that's something that we want to keep. That feeling of, you know, you're responsible to give the best product out there, to give good advice and all of that. Because you're a scientist. Yeah. And and I think trust in the community is so important because like we were saying earlier, there are so many products out there. There are so many products that label themselves as clean. Consumers are really confused about what that means and who to trust. Is that something that was a pillar even in the beginning when you first started it? Were you conscious about the trust that you needed to build with your consumers? And how did you do that in the very beginning when you just had this as an idea and launch your first product? In the beginning, like when we started, there were very few natural brands. Brands. And uh, so there was not that much of a confusion or greenwashing or all of that. But as the market evolved, and I felt it mostly in the US versus Europe, it was around 2008. So we started, let's say, in the 90s, in the middle of the 90s. And at that time, natural products were not a trend. They were even a weird, you know, choice mm-hmm. out there. So we were like the exception. We were, you know, the out-of-the-box thinkers and all of that. But as the market evolved and people started caring more and more about, in the beginning, what they eat. So you choose the ingredients you eat. You want to eat organic ingredients, organic food. Then it goes to your skincare. So when that, you know, trend and consumer behavior became bigger and bigger, uh, I remember being in the U.S. and Let's say at one point, nobody cared. And then the very next moment, 
like everything happens in the U.S., it happens drastically and very fast. Everybody cared about <laughs> what is green, what is natural. In Europe, it doesn't happen like that. It happens very gradually. So you start building and building. But here I was totally overwhelmed with how people were full of questions and wanted answers. And we did something very bold back in the day. We launched on the packaging of all of our products something that we called the formula facts. And in order to read the formula facts, you did not have to be a chemist. You did not have to know how to read the ingredient list, which you don't know. Nobody does. But we made it very simple. We said, okay, what are the things that people are concerned about? They're concerned about mineral oil and petrochemicals. They're concerned about silicones, parabens, phthalates, all of that. So for every product, we put that same list with a yes or no next to it. So in each and every product, you knew, you knew if it contained any of those ingredients. Also, if it's vegan friendly, if it is, it has nuts, you know, people like, there is, those are also medical issues, like if somebody has an allergy on wheat, wheat or nuts. So we put all of that information in the most easy way to read on each product packaging, because not every product is the same also. So again, you cannot make a blanket statement. And we did that and it was like, hailed in the market like it was meted with so much you know great positive you know reaction from the market and the consumers because i think it i think it really answered those questions nowadays that is very interesting how how you know the seasons change the time is different and the need is different nowadays in europe we are not even allowed to put a table like that on our product because it can be seen as you know there is a legislation out there and that's what people need to know you cannot do a move like that but back in the day it was absolutely necessary wow i didn't know that that was not allowed anymore in europe to put those like facts on the label yeah in europe it says okay parabens consumers don't like them right that's a good example however they are allowed by legislation so if we say paraben free on our product we are you know implying that parabens are not good. But since they're legal, you cannot do that. Wow. Can you do that in the United States? Can you say paraben-free? Yeah. In the US, you can do it. But in Europe, no. It's a very it's a new stage of this situation out there. But mm. when you're talking about, you know, 15 years ago, you start from the basics. Nobody knew nothing. They just had some questions. So what we did back then, I think, was fantastic for the consumer. And everybody yeah. loved it. And did you see immediate growth? So when you launched in the 90s, was it, I know back then that wasn't the trend as it was, like you said, kind of that turning point in the early 2000s. But did you notice that shift or that crazy success from the beginning? Or what was your beginning launch like? And what was that yeah. reception with your first customers? Uh, that's a very interesting question. It was actually amazing. And we did feel that, you know, immediate growth and it was like riding a wave that was growing bigger and bigger and i think the reason why this happened although you know the market was not educated but like we said earlier it was a real need and i think we were striking an amazing balance of some elements about the product number one was it's natural number two it was scientific number three it was beautiful aesthetics was always part of what we were doing because we think it's it's gentle to have an aesthetically pleasing product and the pricing was also good so it struck a phenomenal balance i would say a unique balance in the market and people jumped on it mm -hmm. yeah and your first product what was it that you launched with that you saw that success with 
Well, the first product that we launched out of our pharmacy, so like as a company, was the Wildrus 24-hour moisturizer. And it was based on the knowledge we had from our pharmacy because Wildrus oil is a phenomenal ingredient against dark spots, pigmentation. It, you know, corrects any kind of scars, skin marks, everything. It's a very powerful ingredient. And people were loving it the pharmacy. They were buying it in a small rollerball a tiny container with just the oil in a roller bowl, and you would apply topically on your face whenever, wherever you need it. So we used that very ingredient to create the Wilders collection, and uh, that was an instant hit. People loved it. Yeah, and why why did you start with that in the first place? Like, why a moisturizer as the first product? Well, the ingredient was the most popular ingredient in the pharmacy, and the moisturizer is apparently a basic product that you need in your routine. <laughs> Everyone needs one. <laughs> of course, time that you spend investigating what's the perfect moisturizer would use, time really well spent. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So when you had this idea, you launched the first product, you had success. Was that all part of the plan? Did you think, okay, we're going to launch this first product, then we're going to launch a line, then we're going to do this, and this is our 20-year or <laughs> plan of success? I wish, but nothing close to that, believe me. And honestly, I don't know if it's even feasible to launch a company like a brand doing a perfect plan, because I think then you will realize all the risks. Uh, sometimes being young, you know, and dreaming and passionate and all of that, and kind of not realizing all the risks gives you the strength to proceed because you have a goal, you want to get there. And then as you, you know, you face an issue or a difficulty, you deal with them one by one. If yeah. you think of everything in the beginning, you could be easily overwhelmed. So we were lucky. We were naive as we were very young. We just jumped on it. And honestly, we did what we knew best, which is creating product. And there, there was a lot of other things that we did not know about running a business. And those, you know, you start figuring out. You start, you know, looking for other people to, you know, to join your team or joining a seminar to learn something you don't know or trying to find funding from different places, all of that. So it wasn't a 20-year plan at all because you, you have no idea if what you're doing is going to have some initial success so you can build on it. So you you learn as you go and, and as you see something is working, you build on it more and more. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with the fact that when you're young and you don't have a plan, it's more exciting and it pushes you to do it and it pushes you to actually start because I, I mean, I'm the founder of a company as well. And if I would have known all of the <laughs> the bad things, the obstacles, the stress, the issues that would come up. I would be like, actually, do I want to do this? <laughs> because you see, we have the same uh, feeling on that. But okay, you don't you don't necessarily have a plan because you're also not equipped. You're not a, an achieved professional to be able to make a plan. But you need to have a very clear vision and goal. Because that's the only way for you to get there and to get other people to join you. So that part needs to be clear. Mm -hmm. And what was your mission? And what was your goal that you were telling people from the beginning when you were very small and you just had this one product out there? 
our mission was the best, the most efficient, natural, really natural product out there, but it's scientific, it's efficacious, and it feels good. That was the goal, the vision, very clear. Mm -hmm. Has it pivoted since then or has that vision continued? To my experience, principles and visions don't change. What changes is are the vehicles to get there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's something that we were doing when we had started our company. I had started it with this mission and with this vision in mind. And even though the product has changed slightly, the you know marketing has changed, the messaging has changed, that has always been the same. You know, that has yeah. not changed. That has been the same from day one. And so that's something that I totally agree that everything else can change. Your plan will change. Even the, what you're selling might change, but... Exactly. Your distribution yeah. channel, your marketing tools, your everything, your partnership, everything may change. But you need to see your vision and you need to, you know, to stay there. Mm-hmm. Has Chorus pivoted throughout its journey? Like, have you pivoted with, with products that you've launched? Have you pivoted with the way that you've marketed it or the things that you've been doing? Or has it been remained uh, pretty consistent throughout? No, I think many things change and you have to acknowledge that and you have to, to adapt because nothing is like now that, you know, we had the company for 26 years, nothing is the same as it used to be 26 years ago. Back in the day, we were doing print media. Now you can do digital campaigns. Or back in the day, you had beauty editors. Now you have influencers. So, so many things are changing. So your tactics and even your strategies may be changing. So yes, I think you have to adapt. And I'm sure that you've dealt with copycats since you've launched, and especially since the natural and clean beauty products have, you know, become very trendy. Like you were saying, starting in 2008, you noticed this explosion of it. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with, I mean, I'm sure that you, you're very protective of your brand and of your business. So how do you deal <laughs> with people that are coming and copying you yeah. and, and trying to kind of take your consumers and your users away from you? Yeah, well, to be honest, I have so many funny stories around that topic, like really funny copycats. However, what is disturbing but true in the beauty industry, you cannot protect yourself. You cannot trademark or patent, you know, your packaging, your product naming. If it is like when my product is called Black Pine, I cannot patent that because that's something that exists out there. I didn't invent a name. So when I'm dealing with natural ingredients and those kind of names, like so you cannot protect yourself per se but what you can do is build your brand very strong and keep innovating so that you know at some point you know the copycats are left behind that's mm-hmm. the only thing i think you can really navigate in the beauty industry it's not made it's not medicine it's not something you plant in a molecule and then you're protected for 20 years and that's how you do business it's a very different environment Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of, I mean, making your brand really strong, how are ways that you guys have built Chorus to be a very strong brand? What are some of the things that you would say constitute building a very strong brand? That's an amazing question. So there is many levels that you can approach this. I think I would stress, so your brand message, there is nothing more important than your brand message. And even that brand message sometimes needs to evolve. The thing that I think we did really well during the years is that we started with a dream to produce natural products. And we were talking only about what we put in the formula, how we formulate, what are the ingredients that go into the product. But through the years, we realized that you should not only care about the formula, but also the entire ecosystem and the process that you follow to produce that formula. So later on, we saw that we want to extract our own natural ingredients because you know, there's unique 
miraculous ingredients in Greece that we did not find out there. So we built our own state-of-the-art, really proprietary extraction unit to make our own natural ingredients. Then we partnered with farmers. We have a network of farmers that produce ultra amazing quality of organic ingredients for us. And at the same time, they get an income so they can make a good living. Then we, of course, formulation was the first thing we did in-house. Then we built our production unit so we can produce in-house. And the last part that we added to that circle, which we actually call the full circle, is our recycle lab. So we can, we also have the capabilities to recycle in-house. And you can ask me, why would you do that? There is other people that recycle. I say, yes, and we will not be a major player in recycling ever, but we can have our consumers engaged and participate and get a little bit of a, you know, a token of appreciation when they bring products back to recycle. So now it's not only about formula and a clean formula, but it's about the whole, you know, sustainable model, which is really much more easily said than done. It took us 25 years to build that. And I think we're a unique vertical model in the beauty industry where we have ownership and responsibility for all those steps that at the end of the day are so important for the quality Mm -hmm. of your product and what your product is. Yeah. And I love that you walked us through all of the things that you added on like as the years have gone by, because I think today, a lot of people that are starting businesses, they kind of want to get to that, you know, established brand level in a year, like they want to have a solid brand as soon as they launch and they, you know, they want their brand to be everywhere. They want to have a very reputable brand. They want to have a well-established brand immediately. And branding is one of the biggest things that people focus on. But I think that branding is more than just, you know, the design and the logo and the and the way that you look. That's really like not even a part of branding when you look at it as a big picture. I think a part of branding is bringing your community into what you're doing. That's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. I mean, those people are your biggest advocates. They're going to be the ones that spread the word about you. And they're also going to be the ones that provide the most feedback. And you built on top of it. It wasn't like you had all of those initiatives your first year. It's taken you 20 something years to really lay the groundwork for all of that. Is that something that you prioritized in the beginning? Or how did you realize, I guess, what would your advice be to a brand that's starting out with how to build that roadmap and how to know what to do yeah. next because you can go a million different directions in the beginning yeah so i would say number one and that feels you know positive and reassuring you don't need to be an established brand that does everything right in the beginning day one in the beginning you will attract those you know customers that love that core vision and will be the first to join the brand and to like and to try the products and to become ambassadors for the brand the brand evolves through the years and you evolve with your consumer community. So for us, it was a natural evolution to go through all those different steps that we added in the process because they felt like a necessary part to build the trust with our consumers. After five years of being out there, people will start asking more for you. After 10 years, they will start asking more for you and you will have the knowledge and the tools to do more as a brand. So it takes time and it takes developing with your consumers how to do it. And and the roadmap, the roadmap will be different for every brand because your target is different. But Mm -hmm. what I can say is that you have to, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier, you have to evolve with your consumers. If you're going for a clean beauty product, then you need to be adding steps to that clean beauty process as you grow. 
if you're going for, I don't know, you are not even a beauty brand, you are a home brand, then maybe you need to add new experiences or new, like how can you share life with your consumers? So there is an evolution in that relationship and it takes you to the next level, depending on where your goal is always. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. And also, I think it's intimidating when you think that you need to have your entire roadmap laid out. Okay, I'm going to do this, then this, then this, then this. Because obviously, your consumers will change, your users will change, you will need to pivot. But it's always best to go one step at a time and then figure out, okay, is this working? And what's the next logical step after you do that? Like I'm someone who I don't like thinking five years in the future because I have no idea what five years is going to look like. But I know what the next few weeks and the next few months will look like and what I think is important for right now. And I think if you focus more on in the moment, then everything that makes sense that gets layered on top rather than sticking to this very rigid roadmap. For sure. You have to have your plan of where you want to take your business. That is one Mm -hmm. thing. But at the same time, you are in a relationship with your consumers. So that is something you cannot neglect. You cannot be blind and going, you know, in a path you thought thought about two years ago. And maybe, you know, your consumers need something different from you. But at the same time, for example, in product development, I also believe in what Steve Jobs used to say, that before the iPhone, you know, existed, people did not know that they need an iPhone. Mm-hmm. But if you hear your consumers, they will tell you, I need a place where I can have, you know, all my life in. I can have, you know, my pictures. I can have my music. That is something you hear from your consumers. And then you are the expert. You need to give them the best solution to that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, so we need to have a relation with our consumers, but we cannot let them do the homework. This is our homework. What the answer is to their need is our homework. I always feel I have 25 years of formulation expertise and I'm passionate about product development. I need to hear what my consumer needs, but I need to find what the best product is for that. I cannot wait for them to tell me I need, you know, a roller that does this and that. And like, they cannot know. They just need to express their need. (laughs) So it goes both ways. It's a relationship, but at the end of the day, it's your duty to come up with the best solution for what they're looking for. A hundred percent. And also I've realized as talking to consumers, they don't know what they want. They can tell you one thing and then they actually don't want that. They want something else. So it's better to just know their problems than to ask them, what product do you want to see? Because exactly. I'm 100% on board with that. I think that's a wise way to look at things. Because sometimes you agree, do you hear your consumers? Do you do your own thing? You hear them, but then you must be the talent and the expert that delivers, you know, the, the perfect product or solution for that. A hundred percent. And I know that you're obviously one of the co-founders, but how involved are you in the day-to-day today since the team has grown and you know, how involved are you in the product roadmap and the, the roadmap of the company today? A lot. And I don't think I will ever really get out of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm involved. I'm involved in product development in a lot of detail, to be honest, because I have a passion for that. And I think I'm really good at that. I have an amazing team. I have amazing leaders. Of course, I don't need to do everything. But at the same time, growing your team and growing people is a passion of mine. So if I can help the team grow with what I know, I will totally do it. And all the other things that I I believe, you know, I'm good at. I imagine that as a founder, I mean, we're in the very early stages of our startup, but... 
I imagine that I'm always going to want to be involved. You know, you hear that the CEOs of companies, they end up going and they're not as involved in the day-to-day. It's more about relationships, investors, all of that stuff. But I feel like because I'm so passionate about what I'm doing, I'm still going to want to be involved in the products as much as I can. So that's really encouraging to hear that you are also still involved because you're very passionate about it. I agree with that because... I think we should never lose the one thing that is our passion and our talent and we can make a difference. We should not lose it from our everyday, you know, job at whatever level you are. And mm-hmm. I have a funny example. At some point, you know, my, my kids were at school and we had this phenomenal teacher, really phenomenal teacher at math, made the entire classroom fall in love with mathematics. And he was so inspiring and he was a phenomenal educator, phenomenal role model for the kids. Amazing. He was so amazing. They made him principal of the school. And what that meant was at the end of the day, he was dealing with administrative tasks of the school instead of being in a classroom and inspiring kids. For me, that was a huge loss for our kids, for the school. What is the answer to that? People will not evolve. Of course, they will evolve. Of course, they will take bigger positions and more, you know, responsibility, managerial, and all of that. Of course, you will do all of that. But I think it would be amazing if you can still find some time. It's once a week, once a month, I don't know, every day, half an hour, whatever, to make a difference and to inspire others in the things that, you know, made you who you are. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that it doesn't matter your title, like you said, if that's something you're passionate about, and that's what you want to do, you shouldn't lose that. Because also, that's probably what makes your business as unique and as special and as well established as it is, is because of that passion that you have, you know, if you hire someone to do everything that you're doing right now, they're not going to come into it with that same passion, they're going to view it as just, okay, how do we execute this business plan, not the passion that you have, because you're the one that started it and Mm -hmm. had that vision in the first place. It's true. Having said that, of course, there are things you don't know and are necessary to grow a business. Like mm-hmm. when you're just jumping from one scale to another scale of the business and how you finance that and all those things, this is where you might need, you know, very senior professionals that maybe have done that before and we haven't done that before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is not easy. That There are not so many easy answers here. I think there's yeah. always a balance. You know, I, I totally agree. And it all comes with navigating, you know, starting a business and being a founder and, and being an entrepreneur. Exactly. Well, Lena, this was an incredible conversation. <laughs> I'm very glad that we had a chance to talk because I know the iconic brand that you have built. And as you said, it's very well established and it's taken years to build, but you've definitely done it. And I think a lot of skincare brands and a lot of beauty brands and just brands in the space that you're in can't say the same. You know, there's a lot of brands that come and go every five years and yours has really withheld this test of time. And I think it's because of that passion and the mission and you really deliver on it. So I'm so happy we got a chance to talk. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you. I appreciate this opportunity. I appreciate that you are, you know, going through the same, you know, and appreciate your passion for your brand. And if I can ever be of any help, I'm here, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm, that means so, so much to me because you know the ups and downs of <laughs> of it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I hope your consumers like it. I really hope your viewers, your listeners will like that. Oh, they will. They will. Where can they find you and where can they find Chorus? Well, we have apparently our own digital, so Chorus.com here in the US. Our social media, again, Chorus, as simple as that. But we're also in uh, where we distribute, we are Many retailers like Sephora, Ulta, Anthropology, Macy's. We have a TV business. So there is, there is a lot of ways to find that. 
Amazing. Well, I will have everything linked in the show notes, but thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really love this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.